0: Okay. So last week I was talking about like some things about finances and and how we should be coming into this season where we're at. Um, I didn't mention it last week, but, you know, we do have this thing called Thrive Culture going on. And if things I was touching on last week caused you to think about things you should be doing, maybe you tried to do and didn't get them done, whatever, I would encourage you, jump on board with Thrive Culture. Um, it's, it, I think I'm sure you won't be disappointed if you do. And for Kat and I, you know, what we're offering it to the church is like yeah. you, can, you can't beat the deal. It's not just about making a budget, guys. Yeah, so much more than that. Okay. So much more. Actually, if you just need to know how to make a budget, just get Dave Ramsey. He's excellent. But that's That's not it. it. No. Yeah. Um, Also, before it leaves my brain again, we're having membership class right after church today. Okay. So as I got talking about that, I, I... You know, I talked last week, and I'm going to use that, come back to that scripture maybe today, um, on small beginnings and being able to take small steps. And that's even been talked about today um, by other things that people are sharing. What I want to focus on, though, is today is on the difference between being a servant and being a steward. We're actually called to be both. Um... When am I functioning as a servant and when am I when am I functioning as a steward? What's the difference of those? And the other thing I kind of in a general thought, when we talk about our finances and we start talking about, you know, I gotta get stuff done, I need to get out of debt, all those things that we we talk about, I've decided that finances, weight loss, exercise. And what taxes? taxes? <laughs> okay, taxes. Because that'll fit when I when I finish this, and 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 probably even marriage, and there's some others. Those are the things for all of us as human beings. We know what we should do. We know what we are doing and we just wait for God to get it done. And then we wonder why it isn't working. Because God never said he was the between. If that wasn't a cramp, actually, I was trying to hit a (laughs) chord. It's been a while since I air guitar. And so what happens is we have this, we know what we're supposed to do. I I would venture to say almost without exception, every one of us in this room, we know what we should be doing in any of those. It's really not a mystery. The problem is we don't want to do it. And I won't do it until pain increases to a certain level where I'm going, dang, I guess I'm going to have to do something. Yep. And I start into it until pain diminishes, and then everything is back where it should be. When, in fact, God is, has called us to live different than that. You know, we again, it's like, how do we get free from being captivated by the world system. This idea of knowing what I should do, knowing what I'm doing, and not wanting to do any work in between to actually accomplish something, that is a world system. And we live in a society that now has figured out that if you you encourage people there to stay at that level, and you give them just enough support to keep them at that level, we can keep the masses in slavery. And nobody even feels any different, because we just give you enough to take the edge off. And if it gets too edgy, then we just legalize marijuana. Yep, I'm giving you spiritual whiskey right here. So, but the kingdom doesn't function that way. God from the beginning says, I'm going to bring you to myself. I'm going to do the work of redemption. But you're going to do the work of reconciliation. I'm going to bring you into my, com- my kingdom. I'm going to empower you to flow and function in my kingdom. But this kingdom that I'm bringing you into functions and operates in direct opposition to the very planet you live on. But this is the deal. The planet you live on, I'm taking over. Yeah. And you're part of the invasion force. And sometimes the invasion force looks like Normandy. And sometimes the invasion force looks like the first soldiers that walked into Auschwitz. But we're called to be the invasion force. Now, people get somewhat nervous when you start talking in military terms. Because, again, when I get into military terms, i if I'm not careful, I revert back to the world system and I try to become Rambo. And God doesn't need a Rambo. What he's looking for is people that actually operate through the power of love and the spirit of love that convert the world by love so that once the world is converted, love is what's the center of everything. That's the way his kingdom functions. So there's this place. What does it mean to be a servant, and what does it mean to be a steward? 1 Corinthians 4, verses 1 and 2. For this is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it's required of stewards that they are found faithful. So a servant literally means the under rowers in a ship, the, the, the Greek word there. So what does that mean? So if I'm going to be a servant, I'm down in the hole with an oar in my hand. And I'm just, I'm in union with all the other oarsmen, I guess in today's world, oars people, and I have to be in union, right? But I'm only, as a servant, I'm doing what I'm told. And I'm told what to do by the sound of the drum. I know how fast I'm supposed to row. I know when I'm supposed to row. I know when I'm not supposed to row all by the sound of the drum. I know whether the left side of oars of people are to slack up, while the right side of oars people are to pull harder, because we're turning the vessel. I know that by the drum. So Paul's saying here that, uh, that we, uh, what Paul, I mean, just read it, because I can't paraphrase it. These are my notes, even. Paul is saying that they should not be regarded as masters in comparison to the pagan religions around them. So, yeah, so what what Paul is pointing out here is, in the kingdom, it's different. In the pagan world, then you had masters, and the masters were over over the slaves or over those that were held in however they held them under that authority, but Paul's saying, no, 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 in the kingdom it doesn't work that way. In the kingdom, we are servants. We're not masters. That's not the point. The point isn't trying to get to some place of authority so I can lord over someone else. The place is to go low so I can serve someone else. Because yeah. if I come in as a servant, then I come in, in liberating. If I come in as a master, I'm only coming in establishing just human dominion over something and control. But that's not the way this kingdom works. So I'm to be a servant. I'm to see myself as a servant. Not only am I to see myself as a servant, I'm also supposed to be willing to be a servant. You know, you... We, we, uh, As, as the pastor of this church, if I see myself as above you and I see certain things that are beyond me, right, it's just that's, that's below my pay grade, so I don't do it, then I'm truly not a servant and you're going to know that and you're going to know where my heart is. I've always felt it's my job to serve and never to ask anybody to do anything that I'm not willing to do myself. So Mike and I and Chuck had the privilege of digging up the septic system and playing in your poop for two days. Uh, literally. literally. So that you all have the privilege of when you are done in the restroom, you just push the little silver level. And that is required after each use. You push that little silver level, and things just go whoosh. And they go away. Because somebody was a servant to make that happen. Instead of everybody standing around looking at the hole going, ain't my job. I ain't my job. I ain't messing in that. You know what's in them pipes? I ain't cutting that pipe. If, I'm truly, if I truly carry the heart of the servant and there's no task I'm going to be asked to do, that I'm going to find repulsive and just say, no, I'm not willing to do that. Because a servant is a reflection of the master. So what was God unwilling to do to redeem us? You know, we just sang, being washed in the blood. He was willing to give the ultimate sacrifice so that we could be reconciled back to him and now brought into life with him. And he was willing to do it for all of us. He was willing to allow the most vile part of humanity to murder him so that I could be free. Well, if he was willing to do that, fixing some plumbing pipes, is a pretty small requirement on my behalf. But the servant is the primary to the master. You know, service comes from hearing the master's voice. As I said, the oarsmen, um, when, you're, when you were on the vessel, they can't see anything. You know, you're actually in just the dark bowels of the boat and the only light coming through is just the small opening where the oars go through the side of the ship. And all I know is when the drum is hit, this is what I'm supposed to do. right? But I am a reflection of the master in doing that. The master knows where the boat should go. The master is the one that sees the full scope of what's going on. Should it turn? Should it go straight? Should it stop? What should the vessel do? The master knows that. And as the servant, I then get the privilege of being the reflection of the master's heart. Now, we're not stuck in the bowels of a boat. We've actually been brought into a glorious kingdom, filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with his grace, all those things. And yet, still, the master knows what he's doing. It's not up to me as a servant to have to have all the plans in order to do something. No, just do what the master said. If the master says, fill the boat with, or boat, fill the bus with food and go do it, we just do it. The outcome is his responsibility, and he'll bring it any way he wants. So the outcome for Jerry is just say yes. Form this, you know, be a part of this. And I'm going to give you a voice, because I'm going to accomplish what I'm going to do. But going into it, you don't know. You don't know. When we went to Haiti, you know, we didn't know. I had no idea that all of what's unfolded from just saying yes and getting on a plane and going to a country I'd never been to before, what it would do. I found that an incredible challenge to me as an individual about my own humanity and my own view of myself in the scope of humanity, which was really good. And if, oftentimes people ask me, well, why, why, you know, why is missions, you know, why, why, why is missions all that important? Well, there's the obvious importance that it's taken the gospel somewhere. But I've always found that mission trips do far more for me than what I do for somebody else. Every time I go to Haiti, it puts me in contact with me, and it shows me things that I don't really like looking at in myself. And it exposes me to his fire to burn away some dross. Yeah. You just go, you know, go, go live in with with people who are living in what we call them huts. They call them their homes. No electricity. You know, dirt floors, charcoal fires. You know, the restroom isn't over there with little silver handles. But you go spend time there and it brings us back to the core, at least for me, it brings me back to the core of me. And it points out things that brings me to a place of humility again. Because living in this country, this ain't the way the world lives. So we have a very skewed view of the world. So. The servant, the one that's at the, you know, the under rowers in the ship. Stewards. The steward is the highest ranking of the household staff, the house ruler or the house feeder. So we're to be, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians, we're to be servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. So I'm to do both. So sometimes I'm just simply the servant. There's other times I've been called and you've been called to actually be the steward. The steward has a whole different view of what's going on than the servant does. The servant, we can use the same picture I've been using, the servant is down below deck. The steward is up standing by the master at the deck. The steward's the one that's saying this beat, I want this cadence happening right now because I'm speaking for the master. And as Christ's followers, we should be maturing into this place of stewards of the mysteries of God that Paul says. Well, what does it mean to steward the mysteries of God? One, it means I have to spend time with the master to be, stay in his presence. Two, I have to be aware of the mysteries that he's talking about because I've been with him. I, I see the mystery, and in seeing the mystery, I'm now able to steward that to those people around me that don't see. So we become stewards to give away all that we've learned and experienced in the discoveries of God. As a servant, we do what we're told. As stewards, we administer the property of the owner. And this comes back a little bit to finances. We'll get back into this a little bit more next week. But this idea that if I'm supposed to steward what what the master owns, then everything that goes on in my life he owns. I mean, if I call myself a Christian, then my life is his life. What he wants to do with me is what I want him to do with me. Uh, at, the, at the leadership retreat, we had this, there was a discussion that went back and forth when uh, Ann was given a report on the intercessors and all that, and that kind of opened up a discussion, and it was such a powerful moment in, in, in that time of discussion because. The issue was being able to uh, the the place of repentance. What does repentance look like? So uh, if I'm going to be a steward, I need to understand how repentance works. But I also need to be able to understand it enough. I can help someone else in repentance. And so what came out of that was, you know, I um, I can in a moment, something can happen. And I can react a certain way that I should not react in, and we would call that sin. And I've said all, you know, for years, repentance is the best tool or friend that God has given us because repentance always gives me the opportunity to set right again in Christ something that's not. So I might have that that moment where all of a sudden, you know, I, I, I act outside of what would be normal for me, and it's sin. Now I can repent. But there's a, there's a higher level in this, and I think it's the level that we're all supposed to be operating in, and we know we're maturing when we're able to move into this direction and, and to this place of operation. I can just say, oh, God, forgive me, and he does. But forgiveness only, that type of forgiveness, that type of repentance only takes care of the issue in the moment. But there's a deeper issue. If I find my, that this, this reaction I had, this is actually fairly typical, more typical than I care to own up to. Maybe it's extremely t- typical, and I'm hiding it. Because you do know the more, the, more we, the more it happens, the more we hide it. Speaking of fig leaves, this is kind of a side, but let me, you know, so Adam and Eve, you know, back in the garden, Adam and Eve, so they have that moment. We're all aware of that moment, right? The same tree that the serpent was talking about, the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So Eve eats the fruit. We all know the story. The interesting thing is, God, or Adam and Eve, they hid under the tree where the fall had been. And they they were trying to cover themselves with that tree. Well, what was that tree? The, the tree was the knowledge of good and evil. So now they're trying to hide themselves. They, they became aware of evil. Now they're trying to hide themselves under that tree. And. I had this revelation last night, and I have to confess I've been wrong for 40, 50 years. Wrong. But I got it right last night. So I got to live another 50 years, so I break even. So God comes to them, and he said, Who told you you were naked? Now, I've always taught that from the perspective God was asking them a question about what they had become aware of. But that wasn't the, He wasn't asking them that question. They knew they were naked. God's question to them was Look, who told you you were naked? I did. Why are you now hiding yourself from me? I told you you were naked. I had already made you aware of that. That was a truth I had already given you. Why are you now hiding yourself from the truth? Because when the lie comes, we'll always hide from it. We'll always hide from the truth in the lie. And God is always asking us, but what did I say to you? What did I say? I know what you say, but what did I say? You're now trying to cover something up, and I'm saying, no, you were created to be naked. We weren't created to have secrets. We weren't created to hide things. We weren't created to cover things up with with shame. So thank you, Diane. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's what happens when you have a church full of entrepreneurs. We're trying to sell something. No matter which way we go, we're going to sell you something. That was, good. That was a good word, though. Wow. <laughs> so. As a steward, I'm in I'm this place where God, I should be living in such a place where I'm living in freedom within myself, within freedom of who I am as me, and there are no secrets. I've been exposed. I was created to be naked before my creator. And anytime I put anything up that's shielding that, I'm in trouble. And the trouble will manifest itself because it will be tried by fire. So when we when we start looking at how what am I stewarding? I'm stewarding for me personally, I'm stewarding a marriage. I'm stewarding being a grandfather. I'm stewarding being the pastor of this church, yeah. I'm stewarding finances. I'm stewarding businesses. I'm stewarding. What does it look like when I say yes and I find myself in the Bahamas and where does that go? I'm stewarding that. Uh, you know, I currently I'm I'm from a stewarding standpoint. I'm I own we own two corporations and I'm part of stewarding three more corporations. So. What am I stewarding? What does it mean to steward that? If I see that, do I see that as this belongs to me? This is what I've done. This is, you know, this is, you know, I've been able to create this. I've been able to create that. Blah blah blah. You know, is that where my perspective is, or do I see that? No. All of this is the is is the is the uh, outcome of just saying yes at different points in my life. You know, you've heard us tell the story, but, you know, stewarding my marriage. Well, when I wasn't even walking with God, but I stopped outside the entrance to the trailer park where Linda was living at the time, and I was pretty well smitten, but I was like, man, I don't know. I don't know. This whole marriage thing, I don't know. I can't figure out women. They just, I like women. I just can't figure them out. I, you know, I, maybe I'm just better off running with the boys. That's going. That's easier. I know what the. Well, I know what the boys are doing. I can figure that out. They ain't doing nothing. That's what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> or at least the ones I was running with. You know. But at any rate, here I am, somebody who I at that point I had been introduced to Christ. I had asked him into my heart. I had walked with him for several years. At this point, I'm not walking with him at all. I'm sure I'm going to hell. I'm sure I've committed, committed the unpardonable sin, and so I know that God is, is uh, after me at every turn. And in the midst of all that, I stop outside the entrance to her trailer park, and I said, I don't know, God. Should I marry this woman? Which is the most ludicrous thing you could ever ask. Why would you ask the God that's out to do you in, should you marry this woman? Because he's trying to do you in, he's going to tell you yes when it should be no. And then go, gotcha. But he didn't do that. He told me the truth. He said, yes, you should. And then, you know, the rest is history. But the the, the thing is, God saw something in our union that I didn't see, didn't even think could ever be, and, and was convinced that if it could be for some other people, I'm incapable of it being that for me. But he saw something different. I said yes. More surprising, she said yes. Took a little bit of chasing, but she said yes. But the best day of my life, was the day we were married. Her in my life has made me a far better person than I would ever be with her not in my life. And we've taken our turns making each other's life uncomfortable. But it was the uncomfortable moments and making it through the uncomfortable moments that have brought us to the moments that we're enjoying right now. And again, as stewards, well, what's the mystery? The mystery that he gave me to steward and he gave Linda to steward is that in this thing called union, there is fire. And God will use each of us to bring the fire that burns the dross, that brings forth the gold and the silver. That's his intent. Yeah. So, And then in stewarding finances, if I see my finances only as just my money, then I've missed the whole point to why I even have money in the first place. Because if all I'm doing is working for, working to make money at the end of the week, so I have enough money to get through this week then it's going to be a miserable life, and that's what, not why I was created the way I've been created, to do the things that bring me pleasure in doing, to make a paycheck. No. God made every one of us different so that we could be stewards of the gift we are in the places he sends us. And so whether... Like with Clarence, we're sent into, because of how we're made, we go into a classroom and for years have tremendous impact in kids' lives. Or, you know, what it makes no difference. And and the world wants us to categorize everything and make one thing better than the other. The kingdom doesn't function that way. The kingdom is if if you're obedient, that's all I'm asking for. Do I have your heart? If I have your heart, that's all I'm asking for. Um, and I'll, I'll close in this for today, but I just want us, I want us to think this week about where, where are the places that I function as a servant and where are the places I function uh, as a steward? And what is God, where is he maturing me? Because we need to be stewarding a lot of things and we have the capacity to steward a lot of things. And so this, uh, this guy died, and he goes. He gets to the gates, and he runs into Peter, and he says, so what do I got to do to get in? And Peter said, well, we go on a point system. He goes, all right, well, how many points do I need to get in? Peter said, well, you need 100. The guy thinks for me. He goes, man, 100 will be easy, easy to get. I mean everything I've done in my life, and he's so. All right, he goes. Well, you know, I served as a pastor for thirty-five years. I was there before the church. He gives his whole everything. He's thinking that's that's probably a hundred points right there. I don't even have to talk about the rest of stuff I did. Just being a pastor will get me in. And Peter goes, yeah, yeah, we we saw that. I said that's good for a point. 35 years? I get one point? So he said, well, okay. But I also was involved in missions, and, you know, we were in this country, and we did this in this country, so he gives his whole thing for what he did as missions. So that's, I mean, that's got to be right up there, right? Because missions, that's what we we were taught. We're all supposed to be really, big. Pete goes, well, yeah, got it. I'll give you a point for that two points, and I've kind of used up my whole life. I don't. Those are like the two high points. I'm only at two. It's like, so he's thinking. He's trying to figure out. And, and about that time, another guy that the, the preacher knew, he comes in, and he walks right past them all. And he just walks right on in. And the guy looks at Peter and says, hey, hey, wait, wait. I know that guy. I mean, he was one of those C&E Christians most of his life. I know him, Christmas and Easter. And (laughs) he goes, how come he gets to walk right in? And Peter goes, because he wasn't crazy enough to play this game. Peter was messing with him. He didn't have to have 100 points. Are we all okay now? (laughs) The point is, we're not trying to get points to get into heaven. Heaven on earth, exactly. We're called to be the imagers that are bringing reconciliation to the planet. We're the stewards of the mysteries of God. We're the stewards that have access to the heavenly realm to release it into the earth. And to do it with love, do it with grace, do it with the fruit of the Spirit. Um, So that's it for today. (laughs) (laughs) How did Mike do that at the end? Father, Lord, that we would be stewards that not only understand the mysteries, but we experience your, uh, your power and your might in those things, and we're able to give those away to others. Lord, I thank you for the fruit of the Spirit, that we're able to uh, live and walk and, and uh, interact with others in the fruit of the Spirit. And I thank you for the gifts of the Spirit that we're able to also release the supernatural so that others can have those experiences and know how much you love them uh, and that they know that they're seen. So God, thank you for what you're doing in our midst. Continue to bring us to a place of maturity, especially in this time that we're in. So we give you all praise and glory in Jesus' name, amen.